Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me is my co-host, Richie O'Leary, and we will talk about that more in a second. Uh, we also have a very special guest, the, uh, president of Knight and, er, the president of the Knights of Raritan uh, NIL Collective. John Newman will be joining us shortly. Uh, but first, uh, got to talk about our presenting sponsor, Night and Day Apparel. Calling all Rutgers fans, students, and alumni. Are you looking for some new and unique Rutgers merchandise? Rutgers Night, Night and Day Apparel has you covered. From t-shirts to hoodies to drinkware and pet accessories, Night and Day focuses on providing the Rutgers community with exclusive one-of-a-kind tailgating products. So be sure to check out the links in today's podcast description uh, to their website and social media so you can stay on top of everything Night and Day, including new merch drops and promotional announcements. Shop now and stay chopping. I keep chopping. Sorry. This is a night and day shirt. Just wanted to show it off. It's one of my favorites. So again, I am not just BSing when I say I actually really like their stuff. Um, we are also brought to you by the Cut app. Uh, the Cut app is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's legal now in 20 in 40 plus states. Cut has customizable odds, tracking ability, and entire social network with group chats, user profiles, and rewards. All payments. No needed. No need for Venmo. Um, our promo code is believe Rutgers. Uh, you get ten percent. You get a ten percent welcome bonus uh, if you use our deposit code. So, uh, yeah, check that out. I haven't downloaded it yet, but I plan on doing it uh, just to see what it's all about. Because I've heard this on a bunch of pods, and uh, believe has hooked us up with this sponsor as well. Yeah. So, Rich, I, I talked about uh, Richie O'Leary. Uh, yeah. You changed your name. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so officially got approved the other day from the legal process. Um, I will say this, whoever has to ever go through that, that is miserable. AKA um, women when they get married. <clears throat> yeah, no, but that's a lot easier. When you <laughs> when you get married, it's very simple because my mom okay. changed it too as well. Uh, it was both my sisters and I and my mom, uh, we all changed it to reflect our, our stepdad's uh, last name. He's been in our family for nearly 20 years now. Um, that's more than half my life, so... Uh, yeah, no, we just, we made the decision. We were going to do it a couple years ago, kind of just wait it and then college paperwork and this and student loans and all that get in the way. And it's very hard to change all that stuff at the time. So now that, uh, a little bit down the line was able to do it and, uh, yeah, it's official, officially Richie O'Leary. So, uh, really perfect timing too, honestly, in terms of, uh, St. Patty's day right around the corner. <laughs> no, I was going to say, you must've, uh, timed it up. You must've not wanted to miss out on <laughs> St. Patty's day as an O'Leary. Uh, no, of course not. So yeah, if if yeah, you're listening to this pod and you're you know you're hearing it for the first time, that's it's gonna be hard for me to not spit out a Richie Schneider right either. Yeah. But uh, I'll get used to it. But congratulations, Rich. I, I knew we've talked privately about this, and I'm glad that yeah. you were able to finally get that situation uh, settled because uh, I know you've wanted to do it for a while. Yeah, just happy to get it over and done with. So it is uh, it's official. All right. Now, without further ado, we are going to start our conversation with. Uh, Knights Verdon President John Newman. Joining the show now is Rutger, or Knights of the Raritan President John Newman. John, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate being on. 
Now, obviously, we wanted to have you on because uh, Knights of the Rodin has announced arguably the most ambitious NIL collective benefit in all of college sports. Talk us through the process of developing the idea for the Scarlet Ticket and some of the response you guys have seen so far. So we, um, and as you all know, once a year, maybe twice a year, we try to do something big, especially to drive memberships. And after doing this for a couple of years, we've sort of learned what moves the needle and what doesn't. And big time experiences really move the needle, as well as match campaigns. People love to give a dollar and have somebody else match that dollar. So <laughs> giving $1 equals $2. Yep. So, you know, we've done the million dollar match and we're like, what could be the thing that would really move the needle, get people excited, and give people access that they don't normally have. And especially given the anticipated success of football next year after the bowl year, um, you know, I think there are two really big high school basketball players uh, who, who coming, are coming. I, you know, don't know <laughs> what are their names. So uh, um. anyway, so with um, Ace Bailey, Dylan Harper, the rest of the crew coming in next year, you know, it's hard to get a basketball ticket, period. Yes. Uh, so having uh, basketball tickets involved. And then Coquise Washington has a couple of high-level recruits coming in. And Goody always does a really good job with wrestling. That's a relatively young team. We're like, what if we bundled all of that together and offered that as a premium benefit? So the tickets aren't only football tickets, but they're up in the club. The basketball tickets are the best we could get was 200 level, but we're going to have pre-game hospitality with that as well. And then the uh, wrestling and women's basketball are 100 level, and we're getting parking included, but we're not sure exactly where that is yet. And then as we did this, I got a text from Brian Brack saying, hey, we'll throw in men's lacrosse tickets too. So wow. it's building up that momentum. So you have five opportunities for season tickets all of next year for those five sports and we figured if that wasn't going to move the needle to get people excited and at least give people the opportunity to enter something for that for that prize nothing would um and so that's the offer and depending on what level member you are you get more entries in the sweepstakes um and one person will win the scarlet ticket which is two tickets uh, to all of those sports next year should be really exciting. Yeah, that, and, that sounds awesome. And when can when do people have to enter by, and when does the uh, date for the announcement happen? So uh, our deadline is March 10th, so it's another 10 days or so. And then we're going to announce probably in late May, early June is the, is the current time frame. We want to make sure that uh, we have enough time to do all the math because – you know, if you're a 500 a month member and we have some of those, um, they get 50 entries and we have to make sure the database is fine and, you know, people, may, you know, are comfortable with the process. And we're trying to figure out a fun way to announce it where, you know, we may get some former players involved or do something a little surprise like, but uh, stay tuned on that. Yeah, that, awesome. that sounds awesome. Now, I don't want to take away from the Scarlet Ticket too much, but I do want to look back a little bit. It's been almost two years since you guys have launched. Mm -hmm. what, what kind of just inspired you guys and others on the, on the committee to just kind of start this whole thing, I guess? Was it just NIL? 
So, yeah, and it goes back to when, you know, when Danny Breslauer and I were doing a podcast, and that was right around the time that all of this was getting started, right? Mm-hmm. That's when Geo was making his push. There was a lot of talk, and, um, you know, in uh, college athletics about this. We actually, um, with the Scarlet Spotlight, did the first ever NIL deal at Rutgers. We actually hired Gio and Isaiah Pacheco to do interviews with us and paid them for it. And it was very clear that NIL was coming. And we as a school, um, and, you know, I've been involved as a student and even before that, you know, for more than 50 years, we always seem to be behind the curve on, on new stuff like yep. this. Yep. Um, and we knew going in that Rutgers had an interesting history as far as raising money um, anyway. So we got a group together of about 12, 14 people. We did Zoom meetings and we said, is this something we want to do? We had heard, we had seen the beginning of collectives. Florida State had started, there were a couple of others. And we decided, okay, we're going to try this. We're going to try and get ahead of it and do the best we can because we didn't want to be left behind. And it was interesting. We were a little bit ahead of the curve. I remember talking to people uh, within within the athletic department with the teams, and they hadn't really seen it yet. And the evolution over the two years has been amazing and frightening at the same time, uh, because you see how quickly this has grown. And now it's even at the point where we've had conversations with Olympic sport coaches recently where a year ago they weren't really concerned about this. And now it's become one of the most important things that they're dealing with, even at the Olympic sport level. Yeah, so I kind of want to talk about the buy-in from both fans and from the athletic department. Was there was there some were people kind of hesitant to to jump on board with the NIL collective when you guys started it? And has that relationship between fans and the administration gotten better over the years? So uh, let's take the fan side first. I think that with anything new, uh, there's hesitancy. Again, Rutgers has a long history of wanting to do things the right way. The fan base in particular, um, you know, I was there uh, back 50 years ago when it was let's talk about going big time. And there were still the people that wanted to play Colgate and Lafayette every week as opposed <laughs> to playing Florida and Alabama, right? And I lived through that. I was in school at that, at that time. It was also the time of are we going to go and um, stay with Penn State and try to develop football or were we going to take the invitation to go to the Big East, which – we decided not to do. We stayed with Penn State. You can argue whether that was good or not as well. So there's a lot of that. And I think with NIL, it was, even with the fan base, it was like, oh, why are we going to pay the players? You know, they're already getting paid a lot of money. There's a certain percentage of the fan base that still, you know, we don't think this is something that we should be involved with. I think that's evolved over the last two years, and people are seeing from a competitive standpoint that this is where things are going, and in order to stay competitive, you need to do that. But there's still a hesitancy with that. You know, as far as the athletic department is concerned, um, Rutgers always has been, in a good way, conservative and playing by the rules. I think our history of scandal in the early 2000s sort of taught us some lessons about that. And I think there's a an appetite to be as rule following as possible 
and to stay by the NCAA guidelines with us. And I think that has been consistent from when we started till today. Now, we're all wondering what's going to happen, especially given what happened last week in Tennessee, where the judge pretty much said, you know, at least in our mind, there are no rules anymore. Um, and I th- but I think that until at least the NCAA, wherever the governing body is, says, okay, we're going to change the guidelines, you guys are going to be able to collaborate more, you guys are going to be able to go solicit more. I think Rutgers is always going to be more conservative than um, you know other schools in the Big Ten, obviously other schools in the SEC, and the general consensus of where schools are. Some are more conservative, some are very aggressive, some of them have their staffs and athletic directors out there hand-in-hand with the collectives, some of them don't. And Rutgers has always been more on the conservative side. We try to work through that as best we can. We would love if we could work more together, especially promoting what we're doing to a larger percentage of the fan base. You know, right now, we do our best to do interviews like this, to get earned media. Um, We do our best to promote on social media and on the fan boards and on all those places. You know, we are limited in direct access to broader audiences that maybe aren't on social media or aren't on the fan boards. Um, You know, we'd love to have access to, you know, email lists and all that kind of stuff. And right now, we have to work through Rutgers on that. And they're, you know, and I think there are a lot of people that applaud them for being as conservative as they are because you really don't know where this is going on a day-to-day basis. So you mentioned that the ruling down in Tennessee. Can you kind of break it down from your perspective, what you think it looks like and how it kind of affects the future of NIL? I mean, right now, and we have never, we've been pretty consistent from day one. It is not our role as Knights of the Raritan and the collective to contact players directly, whether they're high school players or players in the portal. Other schools and other collectives obviously haven't followed that. And, um, (laughs) And in Tennessee, the NCAA was about to put the hammer down on University of Tennessee in one particular case. The attorneys general of Tennessee and my state, Virginia, um, went and asked for an injunction there, and that was granted by a judge in Tennessee, surprise, Um, and he basically said, there are no rules, collectives can legally, until there's a final ruling, contact players and do deals directly with players. So that is a major change. He basically, NCAA, said the NCAA right now doesn't have the power to do anything. Um, That's one of a series of rulings against the NCAA across the board. So you have to wonder what their future is like. But today, collectives can reach out to high school players and offer them deals and, I guess, work together with coaches on teams to do that before they enter before they enroll so they can entice them to, to go to their school uh, as opposed to the way we work it where we don't get involved until the player is already on campus and enrolled. So, so you're not going to get involved with the potential five-man transfer to Phil Cliff's role for next year? Just make sure because I know fans are curious. And that's a good point. <laughs> Let me explain how we work because people, I think, even though I've tried to explain it on the board, sometimes don't understand it. We work directly with the coaches and their staffs, and we let them know how much money we have 
allocated for their sport. Mm -hmm. They then have that money and whatever other money they have, and there is other money out there. It's not only through us. Mm -hmm. And they manage that like a budget, almost like a salary cap. And it's their decision on how they want to spend that money. So they will come to us and say, here's our roster. This is how much money you have for us. These are the deals that we would like to do with you. And this is how we want to apportion it. They know better than we do. They have the direct conversations with players, either mm -hmm. existing players or players that have enrolled or conversations with especially transfer portal players mm -hmm. on what is available to them. And they know that much better than we do. Our feeling is, number one, we never wanted to get involved in that at all. And two, who are we to assume that if we give X amount of money, that that's really what the coaches want. So working with coaches and staffs is really important because, you know, in a weird way, we don't want to mess anything up either, right? Sure. I mean, mm -hmm. the worst thing that would happen is if we got involved and we messed something up and then we get blamed for it or mm -hmm. it's something the coaches don't want. We go after a player that really <laughs> is not something that the coach or the staff want. So that conversation, working directly with staffs, is really important and I think a lot of folks just don't understand that dynamic, and it's important for them to understand that dynamic. I think something you said is very illuminating for the whole discussion. I think a lot of people assume that Knights Threader and the only way that college athletes get money at Rutgers, and in reality, there are other pools of NIL that have come through that don't go through Knights of the Raritan. And really, coaches are the only ones who truly know, for the most part, how much money is available to them to spend. Because they have... You know, they're, you know, go-to donors. I mean, you could just look at, like, how the past worked with, like, whose names are on the buildings. Those guys are still donating. It might not be towards facilities anymore. It might be towards NIL efforts if the coaches could convince them to do that. So I think that's really important for people to understand that the coaches have the best idea of how much money is available to their specific program. It's not necessarily Knights of the Raritan. Yeah, they are, you know, and we always call them sort of the CEO of, the, of their program. It's, it's like you're running a company, you know what your budget is for salaries, and that's yep. the world we are heading to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with, with for-profit companies, you know, um, you have ways to you know, earn that money. In this case, you have to, like you said, those coaches now are being put in a position where aside from coaching the team, recruiting the players, managing the day-to-day, -day, they're having to go out and ask for another pool of money on top of things like facilities or in this day and age especially with um with some of the teams the olympic teams the alston money that people you know are are now can now earn uh in exchange for staying uh, in good graces um from a grade standpoint that's new money that's not budgeted a lot of coaches are are going after money for that i know you've talked to pat about that in the past mm -hmm. so this is yet another thing that they have to raise money for, and they are being put in the position of, of making the choice between, do I want to improve facilities? Do I want to raise Alston money? You know, do I want to do what the athletic department has done historically, raise money for scholarships, or do I need to raise money for NIL and making the decision for their sport, what is the most important thing? And what we're hearing across the board, and we heard it first, obviously, from football and men's basketball, and now we're hearing from Olympic sports, is NIL, depending on the sport, is now 
becoming the most important thing for the lion's share of all the coaches at Rutgers. So a lot of this just feels so unsustainable. Like I'm sure you guys have experienced the donor fatigue already. Like you see how many coaches are leaving college sports because it's too difficult to continue on. They're going to the professional ranks where at least they have some rule structures. You know, they know how much players are making. They know what they can spend. Do you see something like a professional model being instituted in college sports in the near future? Where do you see the future of college sports? So, you know, and I'm, um, I'm still primarily a fan that just happens to be involved in NIL. So anything I say now <laughs> is more my opinion than based on a lot of fact. But I think, and this is going to disappoint a lot of people, especially the people that I read on your board and other places who feel like, you know, college sports is and the way they loved it and know it, the purity of it is ended and they're never going to be a fan again. I really think that within the next couple of years, this is all going to professional collective bargaining whether the players eventually become employees or not you know in order to do collective bargaining they would have to but some sort of model like that where there will be a base salary that um that Mm -hmm. uh a certain percentage of the players or the student athletes will get the question is going to be is that every sport or is it a certain percentage of sports and the ncaa had charlie baker his proposal said you need to have half your players on payroll in essence in order to reach that higher that highest level of participation the issue there is because of football you have um you know you're gonna have to make sure because of title Mm nine that the same number of players under contract male players under contract and female players under contract have to be equitable so that's going to be interesting for some men's sports because of football and the amount of scholarships and players that would have to be paid. But if you're able to do that for all your student athletes, and if you can do the math, it's a lot of money, yep. depending on what that minimum salary is, right? I think then you're going to have a base salary that is going to be there. I do think NIL in some form will continue because that's where the bonuses are going to come from, right? You, yep. yeah. you still have the ability to make money on top of that base salary. There's still name, image, and likeness. Whether collectives are involved at that point, I don't know, because I think at some point somebody's going to say, schools, you can go and start your own NIL departments. Hmm. You can make it an extension of your athletic department, of your marketing department. So in that world, you know, Rutgers Sports Properties or other people or organizations like that will be able to go to their sponsors and say, in addition to sponsoring, you know, putting up ads or, or, or billboards or stuff like that or sponsoring events, let's carve out a certain percentage where you can use student athletes in commercials. And, mm. you know, theoretically they could do that today, although Rutgers Sports Properties is not allowed to ask that right now. That's across the line. Mm-hmm. But at some point they could theoretically build in NIL deals within their marketing deals as a way and solicit um, companies that way. Right now, they are not allowed to do that. We can do that, um, but they are not allowed to do that. But at some point, you're going to see, and you've sort of seen this at other schools already. Some of them are saying the heck with it. We're, you know, there are no rules. We're going to do that already. But I think that's where it's going to go. And the NIL would be on top of the base salary, and then it would go from there. 
Yeah, you, I thought it, it makes ain't. too much okay. sense to not have a uh, you know <laughs> Dylan or Ace on some Jersey Mike's yeah. commercials next year. Just with well, the, the I mean, yeah. nothing is stopping Jersey Mike's from doing that. Sure. They just can't do it through Rutgers. They can go directly to the player, mm-hmm. and that's the other thing people don't understand. Right? We are a conduit for that kind of stuff. You know, we have a partner, Student Athletes NIL, that handles all the contracts, all of the all of the money, does the deals facilitates events facilitates those advertisements but um and this is going to my executive committee is going to hate me for saying this people don't have to come to us in order to do that they can (laughs) go directly to the player as long as they the deal that they put together is blessed by compliance at rutgers as long as they have contracts and all that kind of stuff they can go directly to the player and say we would like to do the deal with you and then it's up to the player and the player's representation to handle all that they have to get that blessed by compliance so nothing stops jersey mikes for example you saw the deal with provident you mm-hmm. know they did they're a sp- existing pro- uh, spo- uh, uh, sponsor of rucker sports right now uh, not provident prudential but they did, it looks like, it's hard to tell from that, um, from the press release they put out, but it looks like they did the deal with Rutgers, but then they went to directly to players to do the NIL portion of that, because theoretically Rutgers was not allowed to facilitate that. Now, now being down the street in New York City, obviously, what, an hour away, maybe less? Right. Um, well, traffic-wise, probably more, but... Uh, besides the point, do you do you think it's worth it for more New York City companies to get involved in uh, with Rutgers NIL and stuff like that? We would love that, and this mm-hmm. has always been the thing. I mean, you guys have seen it. How many times on your boards does somebody say, "Oh, we're between New York and Philadelphia, the one, number one and number four markets"? You know, Rutgers should be raking in the money from a marketing. Mm-hmm. So forget about NIL. It was always the marketing standpoint. We should have, you know. All these New York firms should be sponsors at JMA or SHI Stadium. (laughs) The truth is we are in probably the most competitive markets uh, because Mm -hmm. of all the professional sports. Um, And until, you know, we um, as a brand can really break through. So when football was hot in, you know, 06, everybody glommed onto that, right? And that's Mm -hmm. when you have those opportunities to do that. Theoretically, when, you know, the Wonder Twins come next year and, uh, you know, I like to call it when the circus comes to town. When the circus comes to town next year Mm -hmm. and, you know, you cannot breathe in that building and, you know, now is the time to get those companies excited, you know, Mm -hmm. because I remember in 06, football was on the back page of the New York sports sections. That's Mm -hmm. when those, that is what the time to go after those companies and strike while the iron's hot. The smart ones, and we've seen a little bit of this already, have gotten involved with those kids from an NIL perspective. Mm-hmm. So now would be the time to get involved because theoretically you can do those deals le- a little bit less expensive than maybe next year. Mm-hmm. So the short answer to your question, Richie, is yes, but history dictates it takes like a seismic event to get those companies to pay attention. What I would like to see, quite frankly, mm-hmm. is some of the New Jersey companies that you think would be a no-brainer to get involved, or companies that have decided to abandon Rutgers, uh, Johnson & Johnson, you know, uh, from a marketing yep. standpoint. <laughs> you know, now is the time to get them back involved. 
mm-hmm. not only from an NIL perspective, we would love that. Mm-hmm. And my email address is on your website, so if they want to yeah. find me, they can. There you go. But I would love them to get back, you know, get back involved with Rutgers because they could also get in a little before the curve, and you know, then they all like to take credit for, of course, you know, sponsoring this hot team and you know all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're so right about the competitive market because think about yourself as a sports fan. Say the Knicks are terrible and it's March and you don't know what to do as a sports fan. You're thinking, okay, the Yankees are supposed to be good this year. I'm going to listen to more podcasts about the Yankees. I'm going to read more about them. I'm going to watch their spring training games. Like, there's always something else to focus your attention on. I if mean, that Nebraska has Nebraska. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yes. We have, depending on where you live, you're either a fan of at least four or five other professional teams in New York Mm-hmm. Or four or five other professional teams in Philadelphia. You have a closet that has clothes for all of that. You know, the, the <laughs> yep. uh, you know, my wife makes fun of me because I do have that closet <laughs> where it's mainly red, but it's a little green, it's a little orange and blue. You know, there are other teams that are involved there, um, but that those are dollars that get divided, right? Yep. That you know, mm-hmm. and that's your attention that gets divided among all those things. And in Nebraska, you are, you know, you're red and white, and that's what you are, and that's why they sell out, and that's why all those businesses support that team, because there's only one of them, and you know how big that fan base is. You know, we're splintered. Now, I would love to see, we have a lot of alums that are on Wall Street now, right, Mm -hmm. that for whatever reason don't give, that aren't involved, that don't have their companies involved, you know, that's where I think there's a lot of opportunity. You know, there's always been opportunity from a general fundraising standpoint. There's mm-hmm. definitely opportunity from an NIL standpoint, whether it's their companies or them as individuals. It's almost shame on them them now for not getting involved. I don't care how many parking tickets they got when they were in school <laughs> or or whether they had they got how many are you screws they got. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the first ones to hop on the train uh, when the team is hot and buy tickets and and get back involved again and tell their buds that go to other places how cool their school is because you know they're going to NCAA tournaments or going to bowl games. So mm-hmm. now, now I want to ask you this because uh, I know a couple other collectives have like tax deductible donations and I know everyone wants to save as much money as possible. So right. tax write offs would be great. Um, do, is there a plan for that? And because you don't so have it we currently, looked right? Looked at that at the very beginning. We went down that road and. There are a lot of limitations on money that is given to collectives with 501c3s. Mm-hmm. You cannot, you are limited to only do deals of a certain side with student athletes. There are IRS implications. Okay. It basically becomes very limiting and a pain in the butt. And we mm-hmm. decided very early on, when I say early on, about a year into this, that the cost benefit of we weren't going to make as much money out of it as you would think. Mm-hmm. And uh, the amount of reporting, the, uh, the amount of possibility that you can get in trouble, and the fact that the IRS really hasn't said it, was, it is totally kosher or not, mm-hmm. made, it, um, you know, made it really something that we just decided not to do. Um, and if you notice, there are a bunch of others that started at other schools that are mm-hmm. very quietly closing down because mm-hmm. of all those reasons. So okay. while we would love to be able to give a tax deduction, 
It just, you know, the long-term sustainability, especially as this becomes more professional, like you guys were, we were talking about in the past, mm-hmm. you know, our sense is, and we decided not to do that at the end of the day because of all of those factors. Yeah, additionally, the IRS issued a clarification letter about using 5013C status for NIL collectives and said, that's not how this works. So that's in part why they're, they're closing the yeah, down. Yeah, and, and what we wanted to avoid was exactly that, right? Somebody gives a bunch of money, they end up using it as a tax deduction on their tax return in year one, and then mm-hmm. the IRS comes back and says, a year later, says, you know what? You're going to have to go back and pay taxes on that. Yep. You know, that's just not fair to people. We didn't want to misrepresent. And you have no idea what the IRS is going to do a year from now. So it's just easier not to do that. So we probably lose out on a certain amount of money. But at the end of the day, you know, from a customer service standpoint and from a reporting standpoint, uh, and also from a limitation standpoint, we just decided not to get into that. Yeah, and that, I can't imagine a bigger thing that would turn somebody off than uh, thinking they were doing the right thing. And then a year later, they owe. X right. amount of dollars. And, and unfortunately, that happens anyway, whether it's NIL or not. So yep. we just didn't want to get it, get into that business. Yep. Um, we really want to thank you for, for joining us here. I don't have any more for you. Richie, do you have any other questions you wanted to ask for John? I, I got, it's not really a question, I guess, um, because I know the answer to it. But I know some, <laughs> some people have like um, are always said on our boards, always like, does, does it, will the little guy really matter? Do the little contributions monthly, my $10 a month, really matter when someone else has one to two big businesses, and I just want to get your thoughts on that real quick. Yeah, I think it's really the only ways to sustain this long term. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I, I would love it, uh, and it's happened in the past. You know, we've gotten a couple <laughs> of, you know, six-figure contributions, five-figure contributions. Mm-hmm. Those are great. But, and those, it's like, you know, that gets you from point A to point B very quickly. Mm-hmm. But then that money has gone, and where do you get it again? You know, if we could, I've always said, you know, and we, you know, today probably have about 800, between 800 and 900 members that's growing now slowly during the campaign. Mm-hmm. You know, that gives us a certain base annually because those are primarily either annual. People either pay their money annually, so it's one shot, they covered the 12 months, or it's monthly, we get that money in every month. It's, it's like anything else. It's like almost like a salary. You know how much money you're going to have over the course of the year if you have that base. If we had 5,000 members instead of eight or 900 members, um, we would have a really big base and be able to do a lot of stuff. A school this big with a fan base as big as it is, we should be able to do that. We're trying to find the formula that will entice people to come on we thought at the very beginning it's interesting Sunil our partner just did a study they represent 45 collectives around the country so it's not only us they work with Oklahoma they work with LSU they work with Syracuse they did a survey of members at all the schools and you know we get emails from folks going you know I joined where's my car magnet right you know how come you didn't send that to me and we get that and we do our best to fulfill But what their survey found was people aren't joining because of car magnets. Mm -hmm. People are joining because they feel whatever money they give will allow their school to remain competitive. They like the fact that whatever money they give allows their school to make deals with players and they see the progression. 
They also want benefits like, and we're in the process of doing this, discounts on swag, cool mm-hmm. swag, high-level experiences. The Shiano shoes thing that we did, people loved that. You know, we have done uh, for also for that we did an experience where. Um, and it was great. The person who won brought his 70-year-old mother, who's a longtime Rutgers fan, for spending a day with the men's basketball team. And That's they were cool. treated like king and queen. They got to go to, like, pregame workouts. They got to spend time with players. They got to eat with players. They got treated really well. I got a personal note from, from his mom saying how wonderful it was. That's why people people want experience and access, and they want discounts, and they want events. So we're going to be doing more of that. That's why we did the Scarlet Ticket. And that's where I think this is going. So the answer to your question is, anytime I have a way in real time to look up and see when a person becomes a $10 a month member, I celebrate that membership as much as the big stuff. Because I know once they're a member, if we keep them happy, you know, we also have a four-day-a-week email newsletter that has 3,000 subscribers now. When The more information, the more content, the more premium stuff we can give people, the more they're going to stay with us. And once we have them, that you know, if we keep them happy, it's going to be worth it for them to keep their credit card on file with us and to make that sustainable. And it's really about building a base of money so that when you when you have that base we can go back to the sports and say okay this year we have this amount of money for you and that allows you to do more stuff so even that ten dollar a month you know if you do the math if we had five hundred i mean five thousand ten dollar a month people our and members our base would be amazing so it's definitely worth it you know people are like we have a fan base that unfortunately always waits for you know the big donor when's the big donor going to come in you've seen those posts as well who's going to yeah. stroke the big check but you know if you can if you can spend the 10 bucks a month and i know there are some people that just don't have the ability to do that and i understand that mm-hmm. but if you have the ability to do that you know it definitely makes a difference from our perspective yeah i totally agree and it's the whole, you know, you can do more damage with your fist than fingers. You know, you got to, right. you got to, we got to come together. Mm-hmm. We have almost 600,000 living alumni. You know, we sell out the rack every game. You know, football is close to a sellout every game. So there's, there's the market there. We just need people to jump in the pool and, you know, stop hemming and hawing and, and get a friend or two. Like, that's something I've tried to do. I've, I've kind of reached out to my Rutgers friends and said, hey, you know, it's $10 a month. You're a doctor, man. What are you doing? You, you run these boards. You go to every game. What are you doing? This is the, the minimum you could do right now to help Rutgers out is to join KTR. And, you know, you get to go to all the events you guys have had that I've been to have been great. You know, from the beer mm-hmm. tasting event to uh, if you were at a certain certain donor, donor level last year, you got to watch a spring practice to this event. Yeah, now, we're, or, we're planning. We haven't announced this yet. We're still working on it. We're planning on something a little bit different for the spring. We just did a partnership with the um, with the Rutgers uh, New York City Alumni Club, where we had they had a watch mm-hmm. party. Yeah. We were able to get five football players out there, uh, and that was tough because um, they have to lift at six o'clock in the morning. So and that so they were in the city probably till around ten, and then had they took the train back. So um, people don't understand some of those logistics. So we really even you know obviously those those 
those players were paid, but we really appreciate the fact that they took their time, especially this time of year where they're doing 6 a.m. lifting, yeah. to yeah. Um, to get involved with that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, and we have some stuff planned. Um, it, um, if and we're waiting to see if this happens, we think that the NCAA is going to further relax some of the rules as it relates to how much the athletic department can directly collect, can collaborate with us. And if they can relax those, we're hoping that we can collaborate more and team up more with the athletic department and do some things. One of the questions we always get was, how come we can't get priority points for the money that we give? You know, we get priority points when we give to the athletic department. Um, how come we can't get priority points? Well, right now the NCAA doesn't allow that. We would love to figure out a way to partner more with the foundation on things like that and to partner more directly with the athletic department on things that um, not only promote us but promote the Rutgers experience across the board. So, you know, we're hoping that April, that by April, we're waiting to see there's supposed to be a, a further relaxation of those, especially now that the injunction has come up. It's like there doesn't really seem to be any rules anyway, but they need to wait to, for the NCAA to decide that. That would be very important to us as we continue to figure out ways to work together. Awesome. Uh, we've run through a lot of questions. We've talked about a lot. Is there anything that you wanted to, to talk about, John, before we head out today? No, and I, we, I really appreciate this. I think, you know, I mean, we had talked about this before we started recording, you know, uh, we've tried to answer a lot of the questions uh, that are the same questions over and over and over again. Um, and we appreciate <laughs> yeah. the fact that folks pay attention when they want to pay attention. The, the one thing I will say is I think that we're headed in a direction that people are uncomfortable with, certain percentage of the people, mm -hmm. but that we're headed in that direction. And if we want to stay competitive, if we want to remain, we're very fortunate to be in the Big Ten right now because yes. there are two conferences that are going to drive the future of football especially, but college athletics in general. And we're a member of one of them. And we need to, if we want to stay a member of that and be in that upper tier, we need to be ready to invest not only in NIL, but across the board, because if we're not, we're going to be left behind. And that's happened to us a couple of times already. <laughs> and, and we as sports fans, and I know a lot of people are sort of on the fence there, we as sports fans that really get excited about all of Rutgers sports don't want to be left behind again. So whether it's with us, whether it's directly to the athletic department, Alston is very important. You know, consider a way, if you're not right now, consider a way to get involved, even if it's at a very small level, because, you know, as I just said to Richie, it definitely makes a difference, and people need to understand that. Yeah. No more Absolutely. Colgate. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. um, maybe, maybe in basketball. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I didn't want to say the other school in basketball because uh, yeah, I know. Uh, bad, but, you bad know they're in the same league. <laughs> yeah, and um, but Colgate is always, you know, their net rating is always better. So true, very true. <laughs> All right, well, everybody, thanks for listening. John Newman, thanks for coming on. This has been thanks, another guys. edition of the Night Report podcast. Signing off.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.